Acts chapter 27, and so if you've got a Bible this morning, Acts chapter 27, I'd like to just encourage you from the Word a few minutes. Thank you guys for your testimony, and, and thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord, and, and, and you just giving God glory uh, in your circumstances. I think, I think sometimes we lose, we lose sight, and, and we start seeing those all things happen to us, and, and we think somehow that our circumstances are outside of God's attention or God's will for our life, and, and you know, when things are difficult or we get robbed, or we have a car wreck, or, uh, man, we get gassed. I mean, good gracious, alive. Uh, we, we sometimes think that, man, God, where, where are you in all the crazy that's happening in my life? And we just heard that God's right in the center of it. God is right in the middle of it. And, and all of those things will work out for, for our good and for God's glory when we're experiencing that. And uh, so, you know, quickly... Uh, this morning, the message has already been preached, but I want to show it to you from Scripture because because what the Hayden's just shared with us really is rooted in what the Word of God says. Uh, Acts chapter 27, uh, this is Paul's journey to Rome, and, and in the context of the book of Acts, this is obviously right at the end. This is after Paul's three missionary journeys. Uh, man, God has used Paul's life tremendously to get the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even into Europe, the uttermost. I mean, he's had tremendous success. He's also faced challenges in the ministry, and, and yet he goes back to Jerusalem. He has a heart to go back to Jerusalem because he, he loved the Jews. He loved his people, and he wanted to see them come to Christ. And, and some people warned Paul, hey, you, you really shouldn't go back to Jerusalem. You're actually going to get imprisoned if you go back. Uh, and there's there's always this question in the book of Acts, should Paul have went back to Jerusalem? You know, that if you've ever read the Bible or studied the Bible and, and been around people that actually love the Word of God, that question always comes up. Hey, do you think it was right for Paul to go back to Jerusalem? Uh, he had some, some spirit-filled people that told him, hey, if you go, you're going to be put in bonds. But then Paul also said later on, hey, I, I'm, I'm lived in, I've lived in good conscience before the Lord unto this day. And so just because he faced persecution or difficulty didn't mean he was outside of God's will. That was just part of his calling, as a matter of fact, uh, much like what we've heard this morning. Uh, when God calls us to the ministry, there's no guarantee of smooth sailing, if you will. There's difficulty, and yet God is in the midst of those circumstances. The Lord actually stood by Paul in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 23 and told him in verse 11, Hey, you testified of me in Jerusalem and I'm going to make sure that you testify of me in Rome. And, and I want to give you just a few points this morning from the Scriptures to, to reinforce what's already been spoken to us from God's people this morning. And, and the message is entitled this. We, we want to learn to navigate the uncertainty of life with certainty. And if 2020 has taught us anything, it's life is uncertain. You know, the famous saying goes, there's only two things certain in life, death and taxes, right? That's a quote from Benjamin Franklin, by the way. You can do the research on that. But, but listen, 2020 has proven to us that the life is uncertain. Health is uncertain. Wealth is uncertain. Schedules are uncertain. Any of the people in this room schedule people? You like operating according to a consistent schedule? Anybody, anybody like me? The rest of you are sick, by the way, okay? If you just live day to day and just whatever the, the day brings you, you have a problem, okay? And, and I'm just joking, but, but some of us actually like to get things done, and in order to get things done, we need a schedule, 
And listen, this year has been proven over and over again in my life personally that whatever I have planned for the week doesn't matter. <laughs> Schools are uncertain. Hello? I mean, I get an email or a, voice, a voicemail at 1 o'clock saying that, hey, school is shutting down at 3 o'clock. Oh, and we'll be shut down for two weeks. Hello? <laughs> Could you plan that a little better? I mean, it's just crazy. Everything is uncertain, man. Even election results are uncertain. Hello? Okay, so uh, take that for what it's worth. So most of us are ready to get 2020 in the rearview mirror, but the truth is, the truth is, the challenges of 2020 probably are going to carry over into 2021. And so when we look at Acts chapter 27, we see that Paul is, is being delivered to Rome. And, and we see that, that, man, he had a heart for, for the Jews. He, he's done his ministry to the Gentiles. He's, he's gone back home. He's worshiping in the temple. They captured him out of the temple. Uh, uh, he's delivered by Roman soldiers. Uh, he, he tries to appeal to the Jewish leaders. And, and so the Romans actually keep him bound in, in Jerusalem. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's 40 religious Jews that actually make a vow that say, we're not going to eat until we kill Paul. They, they put themselves under a curse. And, uh, and so there's an assassination attempt against him. And, and, and listen, Paul probably thought what we thought. Man, what I thought was certain is really turning into uncertainty. <laughs> I mean, I had a plan, this is what I wanted to do, but yet Paul trusted that the Lord was present in all of his circumstances. And so let me give us a couple of keys this morning very quickly to help us navigate moving forward with, with what God wants us to do. Uh, because God, God does want us to do something, uh, by the way. God doesn't want you just to be saved and then glide through the rest of this life until you sip your last breath or until the rapture. God actually wants us on mission, and I know, I know it's just two days after Christmas, but listen, we are right on the brink of the new year, and, and I'm thankful for Christmas, and I'm thankful for all the things that we were able to, to talk about, about the Christmas passage, but, but be reminded, the greatest missionary was the Lord Jesus Christ, and his life is an example to us that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He left his home, he traveled across this universe to, to deliver us from our sin, to give us the hope and redemption that's in his shed blood. And so, and so really, Christmas is missions, and, and we need to be reminded of the mission this morning. And so in Acts 27, uh, we're going to get some keys from Paul's life uh, that in the midst of uncertainty will give us certainty as we move forward into 2021. And, and let me give you the first point. The first point is this. In order to move forward with certainty, number one, we have to focus on the mission that we have in Christ. We have to focus on the mission that we have in Christ. And remember, Paul has already accomplished three successful missionary journeys. The gospel has reached all the way into Europe. Uh, listen, churches have been planted. Disciples have been made. He's back in Jerusalem. He's now facing opposition. He's being imprisoned. He's being uh, falsely accused. And, and yet, in the midst of all those circumstances, God still has a mission for him to accomplish. The Bible says in Acts 23 and verse 11, the, the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. And by the way, Paul is under Roman house arrest right now when the Lord tells him this. Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. 
And I want you to just maybe in your mind put a stamp on that verse in your heart and in your mind and maybe even underline it in your Bible. Because the Lord himself told, told Paul, no matter what happens, you must bear witness also where? At Rome. In other words, Paul walked in the assurance that God was not finished with him. He still had a mission to accomplish. It was to bear witness of Christ at Rome. And so Paul walked in the focus and the assurance of his mission. And I'm telling you, man, listen, we're going to read in Acts chapter 27. I mean, listen, when he, when he gets delivered from Jerusalem, then to Caesarea, uh, and then ultimately he gets put on a ship and he's sent to Rome. I mean, he, he faces, again, false charges, accusations. When he's on this ship and he travels uh, to Italy, there's shipwreck. Right? There, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's fastings, there's storms, there's tempest. When he gets on one of the islands, he's bit by a viper. But you know what God said? You're going to testify me in Rome. You're going to test. And the point is, man, listen, life is uncertain, but the one thing that is certain for all of us is that we still have a mission to accomplish. And God gave us a mission, and it's to testify of his son. Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, what a powerful passage. Paul wrote and he says, but I would ye should understand, brethren, and, and we need to understand what Paul wanted the Philippian brethren to understand. Paul says that the things which happened unto me, and as we get into this chapter, we're going to see more things that happened to Paul. The things that happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest, listen, in all the palace. By the way, he's writing Philippians from Rome while he's imprisoned. And he says that these things have happened for the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words... Paul's commitment to the mission, even when the circumstances weren't ideal, number one, worked out so that more people heard the gospel. Number two, it strengthened the brethren. Did you hear the testimony that Sherry said, hey, I've been teaching these ladies Bible study, and then I almost got killed in a wreck, and yet I walked away without a scratch, and I, and I came back and said, the word of God is our authority. And after they saw me come back and still have faith in God's word and believe God's word at his word, then those ladies said, now we know that the word of God is true. What happened unto me happened for the furtherance of the gospel. And oh, by the way, many of the brethren in the Lord are waxing confident by my bonds, by my persecutions, by my sufferings. Listen, Paul, and, and it's not in your notes, but just listen. Paul never called himself a prisoner of Rome. He never called himself a prisoner of his circumstances. He, he assumed that he was a prisoner only of Christ because Christ allowed those things in his life, and yet he knew that he was still on mission. And so the problem comes in, in my life and in your life when we consider our present circumstances outside or separate from the mission of Christ. You can't separate them. Whatever happens to your life, what, hap what happens in your life, what happens in your family, what happens with COVID, what happens with the economy, what happens with the election, listen, all of that is ultimately for the furtherance of the gospel. 
and for the brethren to wax bold in their faith. That's the point. That's the point that 2020 taught us, and 2021, we need to stay focused, that we need to, we need to stay focused on the mission that we have in Christ. Number two, we need to value the fellowship that we have in Christ. And so in Acts chapter 27, I told you we'd get there finally, look at verses 1 to 3, it says, when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of August band, and entering into a ship of Ada, it's almost like Adaminium, but there's, a, there's an R in it, Adramidium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonia of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously, uh, courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. So, so very quickly, what we see in Acts chapter 27 is Paul is now on a prison ship on his way to Rome. But what's interesting in this passage is that in verse 27, or excuse me, chapter 27 and verse 1, the author of the book of, of Acts is Luke, and he uses the word we in verse 1, that we should sail into Italy. And, and if you've read the book of Acts, you can pay attention to where Luke is by the use of the word we all through the scripture. When, when, when the first person plural pronoun we is used, Paul is, or excuse me, Luke is with Paul and his ministry team. When he switches and he says they are there or, or they are going here, Luke is not with them, but the Holy Spirit of God knows what's going on, and, and so God still gets the record right. But the cool thing is that in Acts 27, Luke rejoins Paul on a prisoner ship headed to Rome. And so Paul had partners, he had fellowship in the body of Christ, even in his circumstances. And that's the point. Listen, Luke is now back with him. There's also a man named Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, and we've looked at him in detail. If you've been here for our Colossians series, we studied Aristarchus in detail. What are these dudes doing on a prison ship? Well, they're going to be with Paul. And some scholars, some Bible, Bible historians have made the, the assumption, and maybe it's a correct assumption, that they willingly, willingly made themselves voluntary slaves in order to board this ship to be with Paul. Now you talk about fellowship in the mission. We need fellowship in the mission. Did you just hear, hey, thank you for your communication. Sometimes it gets lonely. We're, we're on the other side of the planet. <laughs> An email helps, man. A text message, a phone call, it helps we, we need people to partner with us in the mission. We need to have fellowship in the mission, and, and we need to value the fellowship that we do have in Christ. And, and by the way, the fellowship that we have is not just so that we can have uh, hobbies together and do certain things together. The fellowship that we experience is to accomplish the mission. Who do you have fellowship with that's working toward the mission? And, and listen, there are some people in this church that, man, are, are slugging it out for the Lord, and they need some of you to get on board. And get involved. Because I'll be honest with you, even in Huntsville, Alabama, there's people that feel like they're alone. There's people in this church that feel like they're alone because they, they're slugging it out week after week for the Lord. And nobody else is coming to help them. We need some people willing to become voluntary slaves to fellowship with other believers so that the gospel can get to where it needs to get. 
We need to have fellowship in Christ for the mission. Number three, we need to rest in the assurance that we have in Christ. We need to rest in the assurance we have in Christ. And, and, and if you look at Acts chapter 27, man, listen. So they get on this boat. It sails to Sidon. Paul, Paul has like a day pass. He can get out and go meet his friends. And, and you know, the Romans uh, probably know that Paul is innocent and they give him a lot of liberty that they don't give the other prisoners. Uh, and then the Bible says that they launched, verse 4, from, from thence, and they sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we sailed over the Sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. So, so now they're switching ships. And when we had sailed slowly many days, scarce were come over against Critus, uh, uh, excuse me, Sinindus, the wind suffering us not, we sailed under Crete and over against uh, Salmone, and hardly passing over, it came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh unto where the city uh, this was the city of Lycia. And I know you don't know where any of those places are because you're not looking at a map right now, but what you need to understand is this journey is a very difficult journey. It tells us right in verse 4 that the winds were going to be contrary against Paul going to Rome. And that same word is used in the Bible. Listen, this voyage in Acts chapter 27, really, can I, just, can I just give you the end of the story? It really is just a picture of your spiritual walk and my spiritual walk. It really is a picture of your life until you see Christ. It is full of turmoil and turbulence and fellowship, but suffering, and yet assurance, and yet winds that are contrary. You know, the Bible uses that same word in Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says that the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are the, the contrary one to the other. One of, the, one of Joseph's prayer requests was, pray that we walk in the you know why? That's a good, that's a good re- prayer request for us too. Because, because the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit lusteth against the flesh, and they're contrary one to another. They're opposing, they're opposite. The winds are contrary to Paul getting to Rome. And, and listen, you better know that there's a devil that knows that if the gospel gets to Rome, man, it's a launching, it's a launching point for the world. And, and, and listen, just as much as, as the Lord said, you're going to testify in Rome, and that was God's plan for Paul's life, can I just tell you, he didn't get there without some adversity. Our flesh is contrary to what God wants to accomplish in our life. And, and, and by the way, the winds of false doctrine are also contrary to us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed, to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Do you, do you see the parallel? That there's these nautical terms being used that even false doctrine is contrary to us. He says, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And, and the point is, listen, this journey that God has Paul on is much like our journey. God's called us to a mission He's given us fellowship to accomplish it, but there will be adversity. And we have to rest in the assurance that we have in Christ. Paul 
was told by the Lord, you're going to witness in Rome. So when the wind starts blowing, don't doubt what God told you. Don't doubt the mission. Don't doubt the calling that you have on your life. And, and, and Paul even speaks up, and we don't have the time, but listen, if you read this whole chapter, Paul even says, when they get on that Alexandrian ship and, he, and the winds are contrary to them, Paul even says, hey guys, uh, this voyage, I perceive that this voyage is going to be with much hurt and much damage. Like we're risking our lives sailing during this season. It's a stormy season. We should not go right now. I mean, Paul, Paul's a preacher. He ain't no sailor, but he's a man of God. And he has perception. He, he understands some things. And, and so Paul admonishes his, you know, the, the leaders and the, the guys that are sailing in the centurion. And they all reject him. If, if you read the passage, everybody else is an expert. Oh, no, no, no. All of a sudden, there's popular opinion. Everybody says, no, we should go. And there's one little small break in the wind. And, and the wind changes to a gentle south wind that would have pushed them right along their path. And they said, oh yeah, we suppose that this is it. And we all got on the ship and man, we headed that way. And as soon as they got on and headed, this huge tempest, the storm breaks loose like in verse 14. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. And they're fighting against this wind and they're trying to sail in the right direction. And they, they literally have to just strap the boat together. They have to undergird this ship Okay, I thought God said that Paul's going to Rome. Yep. And the ship is getting beat to death, and everybody's scared for their life, and they, they have to let the sails down and just let the wind and the waves carry them because they can't even fight against it. Then the Bible says in verse 21, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, and I love it, if you, if you don't read the Bible and actually think through how this played out, you, you need to get a creative mind. Sirs, uh, ye should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. I mean, can you see Paul just kind of strolling up on the, on the deck? The ship is tied together. The waves are coming over. They've lowered the sail because they can't even get the right wind. Paul warned them earlier, hey, this is a bad idea, and nobody listened. And now they're all begging God for their life, and Paul just leisurely strolls out there. Can I have your attention? <laughs> hey, sirs, at least he was polite about it. You should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. It's kind of a little dig. I told you. He says, now, verse 22, I exhort you, be of good cheer. What? <laughs> We're about to die. What are you talking about? There shall not be any loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. In other words, we're all going to be okay, but this ship is going down. Saying, uh, and here's why he said that. Verse 23, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given, them, given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must ca be cast upon a certain island. And, 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 and here's the point. The assurance that Paul had wasn't based on his expertise as a sailor, 
the assurance that Paul had was that he believed God at his word. He, he believed God at his word. As a matter of fact, that's all he says. He says, hey guys, we can be of good cheer. Hey, the angel of God stood by me tonight, and actually here's what he told me. Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. We already know that he must be brought to Rome. Now, now God gives him a little more insight. Hey, you're actually going to stand before Caesar. And so he's like, you know what? Hey, let's party. Well, the ship's falling apart. It doesn't matter. God's spoken. We're going to Rome, and, and he even told me that everybody is going to make it, uh, except for the ship. Except for the ship. You see, you see, when we learn to rest in the assurance that we have in Christ, we learn to rest in the assurance of his word. We, we trust in his word. And, and when the, the circumstances of life, when COVID happens, when the economy fails, when the election doesn't happen, when our health takes a turn, listen, when our wealth diminishes, what did God tell us? Let's just believe that. Let's just believe God at his word. And, and, and you know, what's interesting is, if, he, if anything 2020 has probably taught us is, some of us struggle in our assurance and just believing God at his word. We've forgotten we got a mission. We've forgotten that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. We're forgetting the promise of Christ that he'll never leave us or forsake us. We need to have assurance in his word. Paul did. And then, and then number four, we need to rely on God's protection that we have in Christ. Again, that ship, that ship is going to be destroyed, but every single life is going to be saved. And, and when you read verses 27 down to 31, and I'll go quickly, but listen, for two weeks, verse 27 says the 14th night was come. This, this storm, this tempest, this Euroclidon, tossed this ship for two weeks. Are you kidding me? Now, now we, most of us don't do well with a trial that lasts 24 hours, let's be honest. Or, or we don't last really well with something like a car wreck or something like I mean, listen, in an instant, man, we, we struggle, right, with our, with our faith and we struggle with what God says, and, and Paul says, look, hey, we're going to be okay, y'all. Well, it's two more weeks before there's deliverance in this thing. And they're casting out anchors. They're even casting out the lifeboats in verses 30 and 31. And Paul has to come back around, and he tells those centurions, hey, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. And that ship was an Alexandrian ship. And if you know anything about the Bible, everything from Alexandria, Egypt, is always a picture of, of, of sin. It's a picture of the world. It's something that's against God. It, it's false doctrine. It, it's something negative in God's economy. And yet this ship is the one thing that these people have to be in in order to be saved. And that ship is a picture of Christ becoming sin for us. There's a great picture of salvation. Listen, if you get outside the ship, there's no hope for you. And if you just look, again, at verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat, in other words, the lifeboat, and let her fall off. 
I mean, I, I don't know how many of you have been on a cruise, but listen, you know, if you go on a cruise, there are lifeboats attached to the big cruise vessel. And if things go south, you want to get to the lifeboat to get off the ship. But Paul says, listen, in order to be saved, you've got to stay in the ship. That means your hope can't be in anything else. And again, that ship is a picture of Christ. There's a picture of salvation. And, and, and the truth is, man, listen, we have to come to the place where we realize our protection is in Christ. When we stay in Him, we don't have to have a backup plan, a contingency plan, a lifeboat that somehow is going to fix our circumstances. No, we, we just need to be completely entrusting and relying on His protection. Because only in Him do we have protection. When you read through the rest of the passage, we know that that ship ultimately was destroyed, but every single person made it alive off of that ship. Why? Because God said so. Because God said so. And listen, some of them had to swim, and, and, and when that ship was broken up, some of them had to grab a piece of board because they couldn't swim, and some of them had to grab something that was floating, but they all made it to land because there's protection in Christ. There's, there's protection in Christ, and, and we see that in their life. And, and then the last thing, and I'll, I'll give it to you here. Uh, lastly, we need to trust in the provision that we have in Christ. You know, there were 276 men on that boat uh, as we read the passage. 276 men. That's Roman guards, Roman soldiers, prisoners, Paul, Luke, uh, Archippus, so, so, or, uh, Aristarchus. So, so there's a lot of different people on this boat. The Bible tells us there's 276. By the way, all the food and all the supplies were destroyed in the ship. So how are you going to survive and how are you going to get to Rome? Well, the Lord has provision. And the Bible tells us in, in, in the last part of that chapter and, and then into chapter 28... When, when those guys landed on the, the island, the, the next island of Malta or Melita, it says in verse 1, when they were escaped, they knew not that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. In other words, they showed us a lot of kindness. That's, that's the old English way of saying that they were very generous. For they kindled a fire, they received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And so they land on this island, when you read that word or, or, or the adjective barbarous people, it doesn't mean that they were barbarians like cavemen. It means that they didn't speak Greek or Latin. They had a barbarous language, but they were very hospitable. And God provided what Paul needed, and God provided what Luke needed, and God provided what, what the Roman soldiers needed. God provided it through the hands of other people. Because God's hands not wax short. They prepared a fire. They, they hosted 276 people. How would you like 276 people to show up at your house this afternoon? Hey, we're here for lunch. <laughs> Is there that much fried chicken in South Huntsville? <laughs> I don't know. If you go into the same chapter, Acts chapter 28 and, and verses 7 to 10, when, when they get on this island, the Bible also says in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of the fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him, 
and he healed him. And we, we know the apostolic gifts were still in force or active in Paul's life. And so this is the chief man of the island. And Paul heals his father. Look what it says in verse 9. So when this was done, others also which had diseases on the island came and were healed, who honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were what? As were necessary. And, and, and again, we don't have the time this morning, but listen. Ministry was the main focus of Paul and his team. And when ministry is the main focus, God knows what your needs are. He healed this man's father so that ultimately he could preach the gospel. Uh, we, see that, we see that all through the scripture, that the miracle is always the means to get the message of the gospel out. And so Paul would have healed this man. He would have preached the gospel to this, this entire island. And what we see is that these people are now ministering the necessities that Paul and his team and even the Romans and these other prisoners needed. They're showing them honor. This is a boat full of prisoners. And these people are showing them honor. And they're giving him the things that they have that are necessary. And so uh, in my notes, look, all of, all of their necessities were destroyed in the ship. And yet God provides all that they needed when ministry is the main focus. You know, the truth is 2020 is going to be just as full of uncertainty as, or 2021 will be just as full of uncertainty as 2020 was. That's the truth. And, and listen, we, we in our mind are probably a little fearful to move forward with God in faith because we don't know what tomorrow brings. Will we have enough money? Will we have enough food? Will we have enough health? Will we have enough fill in the blank? Well, you have whatever you need when you focus on the right thing. And the right thing is the mission that God has given us to do. And until, until, until you draw your last breath, God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose. And God wants to put people in your life to fellowship with and encourage you. And he wants to give you assurance that even in this crazy storm of life, he's still there. He'll protect us. It doesn't mean that the ship won't break, <laughs> but he'll protect us. And he'll give us what we need. And I think, I think moving forward into 2021, man, we need, to, we need to just be reminded of what missionary life is, not only in Zambia, but in America. We need to be reminded. So let's be about that. Amen? Let's be about that. All right, let's pray and we'll dismiss. Father, we love you.